With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire podcast, uh, Bull Recap Season. We are doing one bull recap at a time because that's what you deserve. Check us out, MWWire.com. Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Mountain West Wire, MWC Wire on Twitter. Uh, Jeremy Moss here, Matt Kennerly, and Vegas Bowl, baby. Pretty interesting game, all things considered. Uh, safe to say, very interesting. For this show, folks, we're just going to dive into it, do the recap, get in and out quick. Thir- well, not quick, but we'll do a thorough recapping of the show of the game. But no news, really, because we want to save the news for podcasts later on when it's January and February, right? March, April. Yeah, so that we're not necessarily scraping the bottom of the barrel by then. Now, we'll have fun stuff, but this game, oh my goodness. For those who didn't watch, um, Boise State won. They end up winning a 38-28. Nowhere near as close as the final score indicated. No. And I, I, I was unable to see this game until basically last night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. So I spent a full two days trying to watch this game for to fit my schedule. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, when I was thinking about how this game might turn out, like when we were talking about it in the preview podcast, you know, I didn't think that, well, I mean, I thought that Boise's strengths were a really good matchup for Oregon's strengths. I just didn't see the, I didn't see the possibility of these two teams being so, you know, so lopsided because... You know, it's it's basically two competing narratives. Like one was that the defense more or less dominated. You know, when especially in the first half, when they more or less put the game out of reach and, and kind of kept the Ducks at arm's length in the second half. And then you know there was a little bit of offensive inconsistency, which you know some of that may come down to play calling. Some of it was just you know unfortunate you know decision making. Some of it was just a little bit of weirdness, and. You know, when you step back and really look at the whole picture, though, the, the, what you come away with is just the fact that Boise State was the better team all along. You know, there was a little bit of inconsistency, but, you know, Oregon just never really got it going until it was too late. Yeah, and and it's part of this game, like going through, watching this game, going through, thinking about with Justin Herbert, how big a deal would he be? And I mentioned this in the podcast in our preview, like, look who, yes, he was, like, they met, well, a couple things here. They are about 200 yards difference when he was out compared to being in, mm-hmm. which is fair because he's a big player. He was their best player by, by – well, Roy Freeman didn't play, but he's their best player. His reason they were sitting at 5 – was it 5-1 when he was – before he got injured? Something like was, that. Yeah, 5-1. and one. And if you looked at who they played, I'll mention it again really quick here. I need to pull up the schedule. But this was the best team they played with Herbert in the lineup, and I don't think it's close. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. That was something we kind of debated a little bit, like how much of a difference was the defense going to make for Boise State? And boy, howdy, did it. Yeah, they, (laughs) like, I'll get to this part of the broadcast commentary with Herb Street and um, who else was with them? Reese Davis, wasn't those two guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those two guys talking about the game, they they made some interesting thoughts when the game was getting out of hand, which you got to, when it gets up as it was 14-0, 24-0, it's like, oh, crap, what are we going to talk about? Because this Mm -hmm. game's going on. But, like, going through what, what Herbert played and what Boise, what they play without him, like, I'll mention it one more time for people. I'm 
kind of stalling here because I didn't have the right page up here. But he Herbert played against Wyoming, did well. Southern Utah, Nebraska. None of those were – was Nebraska a bowl team this year? No. So no bowl teams there. Wyoming's a bowl team, but they are hit or miss this year, especially the way they've been playing running the ball. Not a great team. It's just 6-6. Six and six. Okay, well, they are there. They're not a great team. Or 7-5, and five, whatever Wyoming finished. I'll get that record right down the road eventually. 7-5, and five, yes. But like te- the teams they played – when he was in the lineup, weren't great. Arizona State wasn't good. Well, we didn't know how good or bad they were. They, they ended up goes, being decent. But they fired, yeah, they ended up being pretty good. But they fired Todd Graham anyway. So Yeah, and lost both their coordinators. And bringing a head coach, Herm Edwards, who hasn't coached in a decade, hasn't coached college since 89 when he's some assistant at San Jose State. So good luck with that, Sun Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Cal. Who's, he played part of the game. They're not very good. They beat Cal. He missed Washington State ranked team. Stanford ranked team. At UCLA, okay team, not bad. Probably a little better than Wyoming. They yeah. they um they beat Utah, who's a bowl team, who's above average. They lost to Washington, who's a really good team. Then they play Arizona, who they beat. Who's, who, Arizona, give them credit. Arizona's good with Khalil Tate. But then Oregon State's awful. They went 69-10. So, like, looking at who they played with Herbert, they haven't played anybody great. There, was their best, best win with him Arizona? 7-5 Arizona yeah, team? Either, either of the Arizona teams, yeah. Well, they lost Arizona State. That's what I mean. Their best or, Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. And so, like, he played well, and I'm not trying to downplay him at all, but, like, he missed. It's tough, too. Like, had he even played, who knows if they they, they probably wouldn't have beat Washington State or Stanford or Washington. They lost all those by three or four touchdowns. And so, expect him to come back in versus Boise State, whose defense, like I mentioned, as good or better than any of those teams they, they he didn't play against. Like, they were the defense that better than any team on the schedule. I can even include Stanford, Washington. We saw Washington State versus Boise State. This defense, probably the best defense Oregon played all year. And it showed because Oregon's offensive line could do nothing. I don't care if they had Royce Freeman or not. They could not run the ball to save their life. Van Der Esch, uh, Wilson, or not, um, not Wilson, um, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Whoever, who am I thinking of? Who's the freshman? Are you talking about Kekaul and uh, Kamiho? No, whoever it is, whoever there's somebody, I, I I blanked on them. I apologize, but they're they're just getting the backfield at will. Essentially, there's no lanes for them to run the ball, and Boise just looked like they looked like the Pac-12 team, looked like the team that had bigger size advantage, pushing everybody around. And if not for two dumb plays, this game would have been like fifty to ten. What was what was interesting to me is you know the on the very first drive, I distinctly remember this because the fir- the first two plays. You know, they they ran the ball kind of to the edges. They were kind which, of which team? Oregon. Okay, all right. So make, make it you know, clarified. Their, their first two plays, you know, they complete a four yard pass, and, and Jalen Red gets to the outside for five yards. And so they set up third and one on their first drive, and then they run with Kenny Benoit up the middle for no game whatsoever. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, if they can attack the edges, maybe they can challenge, you know, Boise's speed to the sidelines. Like if they if they can bet on their athleticism and their speed to being a little bit better than than Boise's was, that might be kind of the way forward. But then, you know, it just seemed after that they never really had an opportunity to take advantage of that because on the next play, you know, they go backwards ten yards because they end yeah. up holding after a five yard gain and then they basically go three and out after that. And then immediately after that, that's when Vander Esch ends up forcing the fumble on the swing pass and things like that. So by the time it's the end of the first quarter, Boise's already up 14 nothing, and they can't play the game that they want to. And, 
you know, I'm kind of with you. We didn't know if Freeman was going to play or not when we recorded the preview. He didn't end up playing, but I don't think it would have made much of a difference because the guys on the interior for Boise, and I'm thinking most particularly about David Moa and um, and uh, Sonatani Louie, they probably played their best overall game as a unit, as you know, as far as interior line oh, are concerned. Oh, yeah. They, like, they basically shut down what Oregon wanted to do because everything that I was seeing in the video that I watched leading up to this game, you know, when Oregon can find success between the tackles, that is where they can be really dangerous, kind of setting up the pass that way. And Boise State just never allowed them to do that. You know, they shut down the running lanes in on the inside. They created turnovers. You know, they had two forced fumbles in the first quarter, both of which I believe led to touchdowns. And... You know, by the time Oregon was able to do anything on offense, they, were, they had to throw and catch up. So that, I think, could not have gone any better for the Broncos. Yeah, and then look at that first half. We cannot omit. We have to talk about the terrible interception in the first in the end zone. Yeah, because we have we can't just gloss over how bad that was. It like I don't. It's watching the game like oh crap is this gonna? Because here's the at that point it's seven to zero. Boise had that, and also in that prior drive, they went for the fourth down and got it, mm-hmm. fourth and two. So they made they made some key plays, four, third and ten, then fourth and two, and they get the touchdown. And then also Madison, did he only show up in like one or two plays, I think? He was limited, I think, after the first half. They didn't really play him as much. They were leaning more on Woolpin and Robert yeah. Mahone. I remember he came to the I'm like, oh, look who it is. But that interception, like they drive down the field. And then, again, I noticed this, not just this game, but I noticed in other games watching – Colorado State game, watched a few other highlights of bowl games. It This wasn't really a fade pass. They tried to do that pick and rub where it wasn't really the case where you can get called on that. But also, don't throw a floater in the end zone. Don't give a defensive back enough time to go get and jump up and grab the ball because the way the play turned out, and this was a great play by the Oregon defender, by Aaron Springs there, or Aaron Springs. It was basically, he had two guys line up on the left side. He had one guy go underneath and one guy kind of, they want to kind of do a fade essentially a little bit. Not a fade, but just kind of back to the corner of the end zone. So there was no, the Boise receiver never got in the way of the other defender. Like, because mm-hmm. you can't, you can't pick or block, but there's ways to get in the way without really getting in the way where he has to adjust his defensive routes. So the guy, the one guy went underneath at the goal line and then they threw it up top, but the Boise receiver wasn't even really open. So Springs takes a step back and dives backwards for a one-handed catch. Like, that's a great, amazing play on his part, but. I don't know what rip. That's, that's, I don't want to criticize too much, but it was just a terrible pass play. Even had he thrown it, it may not have been a touchdown because he the receiver running the route wasn't far enough back in the end zone. They're still close enough where that defender, had he not even taken a step back or two, could have possibly jumped and tipped the ball or something. Anyways, because how close they were, it's it's just something where it's like you got to think a little bit. Don't just start because it seemed like it was a play where it was a spot throw where he's gonna throw it to the spot regardless. I mean, honestly, if if we're gonna if we're gonna quibble about the interceptions for a second, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I had a little more like the the second one that he threw that was intercepted by um uh, by Tyree Robinson, I believe. That I think the optics on that one were a little bit worse, mostly because he had just thrown like a perfect strike for 65 yards, you know, down the field. Yeah, there's that. You know, so he follows up a great throw with like a really badly underthrown throw that, you know, Oregon was able to take advantage of and make it a little uncomfortable before halftime. And Oh think, yeah, oh geez. Oh, I mean boy. I think that there's two ways you can kind of look at it. You know, maybe yes, Brett bad Brett Ripon was sneaking in a little bit. But I mean I think that when you take a step back and you look at what the overall 
game plan was trying to do, they were taking a lot of shots down the field. Yeah. And I think when you when you take a look at what Boise was able to do overall, you know, yeah, the turnovers weren't pretty, but I think that, you know, when you step back and look, you know, he had, they had seven plays of more than 15 yards, but like, you know, he had a 50-yard pass early on to Sean Modster. He had a 65-yard pass to Cedric Wilson. And then he had, you know, 30-yard pass to Wilson, a 41-yard pass to Wilson. So, you know, I think it was all kind of part of the game plan to just lean on Rippin and kind of let him rip it. (laughs) Exactly, because with the running game, without Madison, their running game has been suspect. And they still did well. Wopin still had 71 yards, a couple touchdowns. But also, we don't need need to remember here, Cedric Wilson left the game for a while and still ended up with 221 yards. Yeah. It it is – because had Boise had to run the ball the whole game, I don't think they would have won just because without Madison, he's your best running back. And same thing with Oregon. No Royce Freeman. They could they struggle to run the ball at will, but let's go to the end of that first half. So it's 24-0. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm like, oh, this game, okay. They had the... Why? What's the point of the Statue of Liberty? Come on, really? Is it just because you're up big, you want to try something to get really up big? What was the point of that play? I say no reason to run that play. Well, I mean, <laughs> you could you can make the argument that maybe Boise was feeling themselves a little bit. Cause, yeah, a little confident there, guys. Slowly roll. I mean, I mean, it's it's easy to argue against it when, like, the worst possible outcome comes out. But, I mean, if Mahone doesn't fumble, then it's basically just, like, a two-yard game, and we're not having this conversation. True, but so, also, Rippin, the play was ran too slowly. Like, the, the for the turnaround to get to open and... Rippus hanging back there, the ball went up high, hit, open in the face. That's part of it, too, because he doesn't see where it's going. And with it taking a bit longer, um, Rip and Tan just kind of moved out of position, kind of watching the replay. And they mentioned this in the, in the game that Wopin was waiting for, or excuse me, um, Rippin was waiting forever. His hands kept going, raising up, raising up, raising up, because uh, you have the mo- motion because you have the fake throw. So your body's torquing that way. And it took so long to get the ball, ended up being in the face, and Wopin couldn't recover, getting the ball smacked in his face. I mean, it's to me, it's. To borrow a Vegas term, I kind of feel like Boise State at that point was just kind of letting it ride. Because when you look at what the but, first, how but, the first half on, I just want to make a point. Real okay, quick. sorry. Go ahead. Now I'll go ahead. <laughs> when you take a look at, you know, yeah, the the, the last minute and a half of, of the half wasn't pretty for the Broncos. But I mean, when you look at the numbers, though, they basically dominated the Ducks in every facet of the game. You know, they had you know a two hundred ninety seven to or two hundred ninety four. Excuse me to 77 advantage as far as total offense is concerned. You know, Brett Rippon was, you know, only 14 of 28, but he had, he ended up with 229 yards. So he was averaging well over like what, 12, 13, 14 yards per completion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can see it's the end of the season. You're up against an opponent. You've got them on the ropes. You're looking for the jugular. Why not? You know what I mean? I I get, I, I, I just felt you aren't not that they're past it because through the whole game they showed the Oklahoma thing because they even joked earlier in a drive before I think the opening drive where's no Statue of Liberty here or something did they shoot shoot out to Ian Johnson and play in Oklahoma mm-hmm. so it's like I don't know it's it just seems like aren't they not that they're past this but it's like come on well I mean. I think there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, because you know, maybe because you're also had to, you're to cheat a little bit. Unnecessarily. I don't know, whatever. I just think. Whatever. But then you look at you look at the opposite, and yeah, they they 
fumble, they fumble it and Oregon takes it back for a touchdown. But at that point, they were still up 17 points. And even after ripping through the interception, they're still up 10 points. And there was really no indication that Oregon's offense was ever going to get back into sync. So they never did. They never, they never did never at really all. did. Like, you know, half of the, uh, actually, excuse me. You know, they ended up with 280 yards on, of offense on the game. 203 of those yards ended up coming in the second half. And more than half of that came in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, maybe they were feeling themselves and maybe it blew up in their face. You know, maybe they were being a little too fancy for their own good. But, you know, the situation being what it was, you know, it's it's hard to find too much fault in it, at least just for, from where I'm sitting. No, I hear it. I just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. It's like, you're that close, just run it in. And the other interception was pretty bad too. But when they scored 14 points in 30 seconds, it's like, I'm like, oh boy, they're going to come back because... Boise pretty much squashed it, though. On their first drive and second half, and obviously a ton of credit. They just did what they did. Wolpen ran the ball well. Ripon was passing down the field. He had, what, 9-7, that 30-yarder to Cedric Wilson to get deep in the territory. They did fine. They ran, scored a touchdown. That basically, because at 24-14, it's like, okay, this is a game. But Boise getting the ball was a big help. They go down 31-14. But Oregon, the only time I got a little bit, not scared, but kind of, okay, is this going to turn? Because Oregon gets that touchdown to make it 31-21 late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. They go down pretty easily. They had that nice. They almost had – they should have scored the play before, but Herbert found uh, Brendan Schuler <laughs> on that second pass because yeah. one was just – oh, geez, he missed a guy open. Or a guy dropped it, I should say. So it's 31-21. I'm like, okay, it's, it's getting interesting. But then – and I mentioned this before, I think, last year when Boise State's always up big. They still tried to just throw the ball. They threw it three straight times. No, two. They tried to throw three straight times, two incompletions, and then a sack. It's like run the ball. Like this may. I know this seems like me piling on, but you're up thirty-one twenty-one. You're it's in the fourth quarter. Why are you throwing in every single pass play, every single play? It's that's that's. I I know I'm nitpicking, but it just seems like this happens more often than not. They're playing teams. They got a lead, and they just still want to throw the ball. It's okay to run the ball. Give it to Ryan Wolpin sometimes. And their defense stopped Oregon. Nothing came of it really. And I'm getting 38-28 because they each exchange touchdowns, but that's I don't know. I just feel like you are you have a lead. There's no reason to throw it three straight times. I think that kind of speaks to a larger a larger theme that you know Broncos fans will probably start thinking about heading into next year because I, I just went back and I looked up the numbers as you were as you were speaking. Ranting, and, you mean? You can say it ranting, it's okay. Well, as you were speaking, because I think you made a good point, but I think it speaks to a larger issue that it'll be interesting to see how it resolves itself going forward. Because I went back and I looked at how Boise finished drives you know, coming into the game and also within the last two years. So I've, I've talked about points per trip inside the 40 last year, or, or in, in past podcasts, rather. So coming into today, and I think I tweeted about it during the game, because I feel like we saw a lot of it during the first half as well. They finished right around the national average, you know, at least coming into the bowl game, as far as points per trip scored inside the 40. They were 69th nationally. Last year, they were in the top 20. Back in 2015, they were ranked 88th. So, you know, if you look at how Brett Rippon has done in the last couple of years, you can see there's you know, a little bit of unevenness from year to year. You know, obviously the numbers are dragged down now by the fact that he threw two red zone interceptions. Mm -hmm. But I think 
you know, he had completed, I believe it was like 58% of his passes in the red zone, which among Mountain West quarterbacks was one of the better figures. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but it was kind of an exception from his performance in the last two years. You know, he was in 2015, he was right around 52%. In 2016, he was under 50%. So I think that, you know, if they want to emphasize that going forward, you know, Rippon's going to have to get a little bit better. Obviously, he'll have to take better care of the football. I think that's probably more of an aberration than anything. Yeah. But if he can improve just a little bit, you know, I think that overall in 2017, he made it worthwhile to throw in the red zone. But, you know, if he can take one more step forward, that could make Boise a very dangerous team in 2018. Oh, it definitely can. My main point was, like, time and place. Mm-hmm. You're sitting here in the fourth quarter, right? just the start of the fourth quarter, or they had the touchdown. Or, no, sorry. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, still the fourth quarter, wasn't it? The fourth quarter just started. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying pull it in and run three tight ends and one back or two. T- you know what I mean? Don't pull play the goal line or take a knee. Like in the water boy, it's like, well, they can't stop us. But the thing is, the offensive line was bruising and pushing Oregon around for the most part of this game. Like, pass protection was fine. Ripon only got, what, what they have, a couple sacks? One sack. They did have six TFLs, Oregon did, but the offensive line was holding their own and doing fine. I, I'm, I don't have a problem throwing the ball, but on every single play. Let the clock run a little bit because, yes, you're up 17 points, but look how quickly it changed when it's now 31-21. Then you go three and out quickly three and out like it's the, the drop time clock was only 55 seconds mm-hmm. run it once maybe twice at least run it on first down and knock off another minute because the way oregon that drive before oregon that was their by far their best drive of the game i think where they had eight plays got to the end zone boise's defense just um wasn't there that one drive oregon did their thing herbert moved down the field they got there's a penalty on holding which or is that a whatever? no boy? Yeah, Boise penalty. Give another first down. Give them to midfield. They had good field position because they punted deep in their own territory. And so, why give Oregon the momentum back on a quick three and out? That was my main point. Like, let the drive simmer a little bit. Keep the other team off the field, even if it's just a minute. And you get, even if it's like a no gain, first and ten, no gain. You still knock off fifty seconds off the game clock or something. Thirty seconds off the game clock. That's just my point. It's like, run it once. I don't care if you're throwing second and third down, but run it once because the way Oregon played the drive before, that defense had to be not scared, but they'd be put on notice. Like, what what if they do it again? Then it's only a, a field goal game, and Boise missed a field goal early in the first half. I mean, the only answer I might have for that is... Cedric Wilson? <laughs> well, Cedric Wilson, yes, in one part. But, you know, even when they were trying to kill clock late in the game... Neither team was especially successful after halftime in running the football. Actually, both Boise State and Oregon ended up, you know, after, without adjusting for sacks or anything like that, they both ended up under two yards of carry. Yikes. So, you know, and that's indicative of the fact that, you know, the third quarter especially kind of devolved into a little bit of a slog. But, you know, I think, you know, they wanted to win the game with Brett Rippon's arm. And I think, you know, especially late when they needed a couple of third downs to really hold off the docks, you know, their, their last, you know, their last two third downs leading up to the Wolpin touchdown, you know, third and nine, third and seven, it was Brett Rippon making those plays. Mm-hmm. So to me, I, you know, those are the third and long situations that they've had a fair amount of success in all season long. 
And so I think that was mostly just a, uh, a reflection of Boise playing to its strengths overall. But, you know, I think it's something to keep an eye on going forward. I know I'm nitpicking, but it, I think it's sort of valid. Just whatever. I don't, we don't need to go any, fur, any further on that, but it's just my point where run the ball. But I know even if it's not successful, do something with it. But this game, okay, 38-28 could have been way bigger victory for Boise State, but they, they're clearly the better team, played better. And I do like um, from the Oregonian, who is it, uh, John Canzano? Uh, is that who it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's like, oh boy, Oregon's got this by two touchdowns or something. And he, he give him credit, coach tweeted itself. I mean, really, I meant Boise State guys. That's what I meant. Boise State was going to win, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. It's like people give them garbage. It's like they're the better team. And let me ask you this because this came up during the broadcast, and is a good one by Boise State. There's always the thing when they and they mention a lot, or Boise like Kurt Herbstreit was saying, oh these bowl games, everybody's excited to watch all these games. And he kind of mentioned a lot. He's like kind of insinuating he doesn't watch every bowl game or incomplete, which not everybody does. He made it seem like Boise State fans are more happy to be there, more excited, but Oregon fans are not because of who they're playing. He also mentioned this point when it was like 14-0 in Oregon or 21-0 in Oregon was basically out of this game before those touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's any vil- vil- val- what, validity, val- whatever, I can't speak to it, validation or correctness in this saying that Oregon – a lot of stuff. Well, a lot of stuff was going for Oregon in this game. A lot of stuff was going on. New coach, Roy Freeman decides out to play, but he's hanging around on the sideline trying to cheer guys up. He's like, "If you're healthy and on the sideline, what are you doing? You know what I mean, play or not play. Don't be there a cheerleader when they know you could be helping this team." Was there too much going on that maybe caused a little confusion or just not as focused as Oregon should have been? Did that play any factor into this game of well, all I what mean, was going on? I mean, I don't think either of us have mentioned the fact that before the Ducks even ran their first play. They had to take a timeout to avoid a delay of game penalty. Oh, I forgot about that. I think I, I think I fast forward to the game starting and didn't realize that. So yeah, maybe, but I mean, Despite- even, but I mean, even beyond that, you know, Boise ended up on the, on the afternoon with a huge advantage as far as penalties. You know, it seemed like Oregon was shooting themselves in the foot way too often. And they ended up with 10 for 95 yards. I think Oregon, Boise, which was four at four for 50. I think they're one of the most penalized team in the country. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah, so, I mean, in that case, you know, they weren't necessarily playing as crisply as maybe they could. But, I mean, I feel like to some extent that kind of just, just – that, that takes a little bit of credit away from the fact that, for instance, Boise ended up with nine tackles for loss. They ended mm-hmm. up with four sacks. And, you know, Leighton Vandrush seemed to be everywhere on the field. And Curtis Weaver was, you know – or Cedric Wilson with eleven sacks on the year, probably setting himself up to be what the conference's premier pass rusher going in in twenty eighteen. Potentially, yeah. So you know, I, I mean, yeah, maybe Oregon wasn't as focused as it should have been, but Boise was in the zone and it showed from pretty much the first play on. And they attacked him too. It's like they talked about like like look, like Vander. She got to the backfield every seemingly every play. He had the fumble off the sideline. Off the was that screen pass? Like they were just pushing them around. Like Oregon, they're meant to, like here's what Oregon wants to do on running the ball. Like with these holes and big, big uh, just get the lanes. There was no passing. The Oregon offensive line was getting pushed back like every single time. It's not like when boys like even when they go back to the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, they beat Oregon. They had the hook and ladder. They which is a necessity out of the, how much time was left in the game, or the Statue of Liberty just because, or the wide receiver pass touchdown. Some of those like well, it. I'm not discrediting any of that at all, but. It wasn't a point where there's a fluke play where they got up 14. Like, honestly, had Oregon won, it had been more fluky. Oregon won because of those two big touchdowns at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Those are more fluky or 
not trickery, but like more flukish than anything Boise did the whole game. Like getting a hundred yard interception return or fumble return for touchdown, those are kind of fluky of what happened. Boise relied on none of that. It's not like they needed some sort of trick play to outsmart Oregon in a close game because they could get nothing done. Boise was a more dominant team. They showed on nearly every aspect in 95% of the game. They were barely outgained or anything was outcoached, whatever you want to call it. They did better than Oregon on basically 95% of this game. Well, I mean, and let's not forget, too, that, you know, on defense, they were playing a lot of young dudes. Like, we know Kekoa Nawahini is a, a sophomore. Like, we know, you know, Curtis Weaver is a freshman. We know, you know, Kekua Kaniyoha, I believe, is a sophomore. But, I mean, they were also starting two redshirt freshmen at corner, too, because Tyler Horton didn't play. That's right. But, you know, Jalen Walker stepped in opposite Avery Williams, and we didn't really hear his name one way or the other all all afternoon long. Probably a good thing, you know, because if, if you're covering a receiver and they're not really doing much of anything, that's probably a credit to you. So, you know, yeah, they might be losing Vander Ash to the NFL draft. They might be losing, you know, one or two other guys to graduation. Here's what they let me get. I have it real quick for who they have. I I know I don't think this depth chart's accurate because it mentions Tyler Horton. It's for the game, but like Kikoka Nawani sophomore, Pierce mm-hmm. sophomore, Will Avery Williams redshirt freshman, Gabe Prez is the only starting senior on this defense. Mm-hmm. Tyler Mava sophomore, Vanderus redshirt junior, Jabril Frazier redshirt junior, Moa redshirt. They mean like sophomore Lua junior starting up defensive end and Durant Miles. Like only a couple upperclassmen on the whole list, and so. Yeah, if they lose Vanderus, maybe Frazier. I don't know if he would go, but you never know. They're only losing what at most probably three defensive starters on this team. That was what the one that what who was better on defense? Fresno State right up there with them. Maybe San Diego State top three defense at worst in the Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, I think it's those three teams. Yeah, as I'm saying, like there's some I don't have everything in front of me, but some order in one category or another. It's one of those three teams probably in any specific or meaningful defensive uh, unit or unit um, stat, I should say. Oh, we should put like, Wyoming in that mix, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, Wyoming. So, yeah, so top four. And they're all really good. Wyoming turns the ball over those guys with uh, Granderson, Logan Wilson, uh, Wingard, everything like that. So, like, did it matter? Like, was it, like, coaching? Like, Cristobal, I know he has to say these things. This is the best week of preparation ever. It's like, really? Was it? You you don't know if Jim Lovett's hanging around. Your starting running back is practicing ends up not playing. It's like, there's so much stuff going on. I get the distraction part, but Boise just dominated. There was, like... Had Boise played like the way they played, they probably beat nearly any team in the country. I mean, I think what you saw is a sneak preview of what a lot of different teams are going to get next fall. <laughs> because so like it's young, it's deep, and you know, feel free to add us. Like if you think the 2018 defense is going to be really good, like you know, it's their best defense since blank. Like, I, and, it, and it's hard to choose because, like, you look back over the years and you, and you look at the numbers, you look at what this team has historically done, and, you know, they've, they've, they're more known for guys like Kellen Moore and Jay Ajayi, you know, the guys at the skill positions and stuff like that. But the defense has consistently been at least a top three defense, you know, basically since they joined the conference back in 2013 and even well before that, or excuse me, 2011 rather. But yeah, it's going to be something. It's going to be a sight to behold, I think, next fall. Yeah, like really quick. Even when me and Chris did the show before, we always kept saying, like I remember mentioning, oh, JJ is gone. It's going to be tough to replace him. But we're always like, well, look at the defense. The defense has always been fine the past couple of years. They shorted up. Like since they joined the league in 2011, 
their worst defense was a fourth was fourth. And I'm just going by yards per game, which I know it's not the best stat, but like yards per game, the worst defense was last year when they were fourth. Mm-hmm. And so, and they let, and, that, and even that year, they were still second in yards per play allowed. They were number one, better than TCU in 2011, better than, T- oh, they left the league, but 2012, number one defense. 2013, like this is yards per play. Yeah. Number one tiers, 23rd, second, 2014, they were top three, like they're top three in the categories that count. And this past year, they were second in yards per play. They were uh, what third in total yards yards per game, and so yeah, they this and they bring most of the guys back, and so and you're right. Like people pay attention to the offense, like what Cedric Wilson did, Brett Rippin, or Doug Martin. Go back to any running back you want, past couple years, or even other guys, wide receivers you've had past couple years who are hanging on the NFL. They always have guys that are doing great defensively. Like they had two guys. Wasn't there two defensive backs? One start Dante Dion didn't he start as a rookie for the Giants last year or two years ago? Yeah, so it's like so, yeah. these guys, like they're hanging around doing things in the NFL. And so like we can go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Want to hear a super hot take that people are going to hate for 2018. Okay. Cause we have, we have a few minutes to talk about this team. Cause we're only at 32 minutes. Okay. Um, Boise State is not only going to be the number one team in the conference. Dare I say the best group of five team next year going for next year. Is that a hot take though? For me, it might be. <laughs> I mean, because I'm just. Uh, I mean, no, I'm I, I know that we'll get into we'll get into this in more detail later, but you know, obviously, they're going to finish the year in the top twenty-five. That's a given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you might hope that maybe their non-conference schedule looked a little stronger going into next year. Because well, it is. Would you like that right now? That's in front of me at the moment. Well, I have it in front of me as well. Okay. Pretty so, good. I mean, you know, tr- at Troy, it's going to be a really good test. Um, you know, even if they lose some pieces off of their 11-win team, like we saw how good of a win that ended up being this year. You know, UConn, eh, yeah, whatever. Great. Power BYU, six, come BYU. on. Power six, power six. <laughs> whatever. American power. <laughs> American power sixer. <laughs> anyway. Sure. Um, I mean, you might hope that BYU can rebound to bowl eligibility at least. And they do have a game at Oklahoma State, which is going to be probably one of the best non-conference games the conference has to offer. But I mean, I think you're right. They're definitely, if they're not number one to get that new Year's six day bowl next year, they're definitely on the short list, whatever that list looks like. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Cause I, I don't have every schedule in front of me at the moment, but cause this schedule next year is maybe a step back. Cause Washington state, Virginia, but it's still, there's still some good teams. On there, but I'd have to go through it. Take Memphis, I guess. Even who who they are losing, we know San Diego State will be in the mix. Colorado State brings back a lot of guys outside of Michael Gallup and uh, Jake Bennett. But I guess he at Central Florida, USF was Quentin Flowers. I don't know Houston. I don't, who knows? Maybe, but Logan Woodside's gone at Toledo, so maybe it's not no, a hot take. But it's now, not, uh, now let's watch Florida State get ranked in the preseason next year, and Boise State get shut out. You mean Florida <laughs> State? Hold on, wait, wait. No, no. You got Florida State. That's what I mean. Tech, Texas. Oh, I'm not done yet. Texas. Uh, UCLA. Uh, Tennessee, right? Those are the four teams that always find themselves ranked without deservingly. Yeah. So watch all four <laughs> of those teams get ranked and watch, like, Boise State not be ranked. I'm just it's it, it'll I be mean, fun. I'm not, saying that I'm, I'm not saying that I want that to happen. I just feel like it's going to happen and we're all going to hate it. Track record, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we could obviously include, like I mentioned, CSU, San Diego State. Their offensive line will be really good next year because they started mostly freshmen this year, young guys, injuries, and they'll have Juwan Washington, um, Colorado State with Nick Stevens. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Put Fresno in the mix? I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah. Anything? No, that's it. Just yeah. Okay. Didn't know if <laughs> we'll, I was, we'll talk about them more yeah. on the next podcast. I didn't know if you wanted more of a yeah than that, but that's okay. I just wondered what you would quick comment on Fresno. But oh, is that is that all we got today? I think are we good? Uh, I think that's all we have for the Vegas Bowl. Yeah. For the Vegas Bowl, that's it for that Boise State wins. They finish. Uh, oh, one stat I wanted to mention: they have won. This is their eleventh um, winning season, seventh time in twelve seasons. It's pretty good. Oh no, no, excuse me, excuse me, let me rephrase that. No, sorry. Seven times in ten seasons, twelfth bowl victory. Sorry. Twelfth bowl victory. So that's not bad. And also, one last one last thing. The Idaho Statesman to rank the Boise <laughs> offense a C in this game. Well, I mean, it was a little bit hit and miss, you know, because especially in that first half, I think I had mentioned that they had four or no, excuse me. It's seven different opportunities where they got to the Oregon twenty five or better. And they only got points on four of those occasions. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the point that you mentioned. You know, some of the play calling when they got down there was a little bit questionable. So, I mean, I guess I could see okay. that. But I think all things considered, you know, they got the win. They, they're going to get the ranking. They're going to be on the short list, you know, for, you know, having big plans going into next fall. So, Hard to find too much fault. Okay. I think it'd be minus at worst, but maybe that's me. The optimist, apparently, in the show. I don't know. But that's it for today. Boise State, like I said, beat Oregon, Las Vegas Bowl recap. And just keep following us along because we'll have a New Mexico Bowl recap. We'll pre- be previewing the Hawaii Bowl, all the other bowl games. But thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends. Blog Talk Radio. Tune in. Stitcher. iTunes. Um, wherever you get your podcast, leave a review and let us know what you think of it. And um, how do we end the show now, Matt? Because I can't say what I used to say. Do I say see you next time? <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. Exactly. And, uh, thank be sure you. to visit mwwire.com, the peak of Mountain West coverage anywhere. There we go. See you next time, folks.